the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Babylonians are building siege mounds, ramps to come up over the wall. They're camped out on the hillsides around Jerusalem. It's just a matter of time before the Babylonians come into the city and conquer the city. And what does God say? Call to me. I've got this history. Everything in the past that I said I would do, I've done it. Call to me. And I'll do things that are inaccessible to you. Things that are beyond your ability. Things that you're not capable of doing. I'll do them if you just call to me. You may be on the brink of disaster, facing trouble you can't overcome. There's a temptation to fear that it's simply too late for God's help. However, as Pastor Dan explains today, it's never too late to call out to God. He promises in His Word to hear and answer you when you call to Him in faith. Even at the edge of despair, He can do things for you that are simply impossible on your own. He's always been faithful and perfect, so you can trust Him with your future. In the midst of destruction, God gives hope. Just call out to Him. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 33, for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Remember this section of Jeremiah that we're in right now, chapters 30 to 33, are called the book of consolation or the book of comfort. The reason being, the theme of Jeremiah is judgment, this impending judgment that is about to come on the kingdom of Judah. But in these chapters, 30 to 33, the Lord speaks of the future hope and promise for the people of Israel the hope of their restoration back into the land of Israel uh, and the future restoration of Israel's relationship with God. And so these chapters provide comfort in the midst of all of this judgment that the judgment is not the end of the story, that there's a future and a hope for the people of Israel. So verse 1 says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, A second time, while he was still shut up in the court of the prison. Uh, Just as we saw in chapter 32, Jeremiah was in prison, in the court of the prison, in the royal palace there in Jerusalem. Uh, He was in prison for uh, speaking the word of God, telling people that uh, the judgment was going to come, the Babylonians were going to conquer them, King Zedekiah would be carried away to Babylon, He would die in Babylon. He was telling people the truth, and that landed him in jail. But it's in prison that he received a word from the Lord. The Lord spoke to him while he was in prison. 
of all places. You know, in the New Testament, the Apostle John received the greatest revelation of Jesus Christ while he was in forced exile on the island of Patmos, what we call the book of Revelation. John received that revelation of Jesus Christ while he was incarcerated, so to speak, on the island of Patmos. And here we see Jeremiah. He's in prison, but he receives a word from the Lord while he's in prison. As we go through scriptures, often we see God speak to people or reveal himself to people in the midst of very difficult circumstances. God speaks. God shows himself. He reveals things about himself and about his character at at times when we may not expect God to speak or even at times when we may not even be looking for God to speak. Jeremiah is sitting in prison. And he gets a word from the Lord. And the word he receives in verse 2, thus says the Lord who made it, the Lord who formed it to establish it, the Lord is his name. There's a very, very strong emphasis in this passage on the Lord's name, the Lord's character, who God is. And the point of verse 2 is the Lord does what he says he will do. The Lord does what he says he will do. In the past, when God said he will make it, he made it. In the past, when God said he will form something, he formed it. In the past, when God said he would establish something, he established it. Verse 2 is pointing us back to God's track record, God's history. Everything he said he would make, he made. Everything he said he will form, he formed. Everything he said he will establish, he established it. In other words, his past record is perfect. And because his record is perfect in the past, we can trust his promises for the future. All the promises that God has made to us about the future. We can believe them. We can bank on them. Because his record is perfect in the past. He has fulfilled everything that he said he would fulfill in the past. And here, he's saying that to Jeremiah and to the people of Judah. There's absolutely no reason to doubt God. The Lord does what he says he will do. And the Lord reminds Jeremiah and reminds the people of Judah of his faithfulness. Because in verse 3, he says to them, call to me. And I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. God invites the people of Jerusalem and Judah to call on him, to pray, cry out to him. He's got this history of always coming through, always doing what he said he would do. And now God is is appealing to them to call on him. To pray, to ask him, to cry out to him. And he he says if they do, God promised he would answer them. You just call to me, I'll answer you. And look at what he says, look at the promise in verse 3. He will do great and mighty things which they do not know. Now if you're a note taker, that phrase, mighty things, he will do great 
and mighty things. The Hebrew word here, it, it means things that are inaccessible. Things that are inaccessible. Things that are beyond the reach of human ability. Things that you can't access. They're inaccessible to you, but they're not inaccessible to God. Things that are beyond your reach, beyond your knowledge, beyond your power, beyond your understanding. If you just call to me, the Lord says. I'll answer you. And I'll do things that are beyond your ability to do. I'll do things for you that you aren't capable of doing. That are beyond your power. Beyond your resources. Now, what's going on when he says this? You remember back in chapter 32, the Babylonian army is laying siege to the city of Jerusalem as the Lord says this to Jeremiah and to the people in the city. The Babylonians are building siege mounds, ramps to come up over the wall. They're camped out on the hillsides around Jerusalem. It's just a matter of time before the Babylonians come into the city and conquer the city. And what does God say? Call to me. I've got this history. Everything in the past that I said I would do, I've done it. Call to me. And I'll do things that are inaccessible to you. Things that are beyond your ability. Things that you're not capable of doing. I'll do them if you just call to me. God does not say, well, it's too late. It's too late for you to call on me now. I mean, the Babylonians, they're building ramps. They're about to come over the walls. It's too late. If you would have called on me six months ago, I could have done something for you. But at this point, there's really nothing I can do. It's beyond my ability. It's just too late in the game. He doesn't say that. He says, call to me. As the Babylonians are about to conquer, he says, call to me. It's never too late to call on God. It's never too late to call on him. It doesn't matter how, how late into it it is. You can always call upon God for help. And if they will call to God, he'll answer them and he'll do things for them that are, are inaccessible to them beyond their ability, beyond their resources. Namely, he'll deliver them. He'll deliver them from the Babylonian. If they would just call on him. Again, verse 2, God, before he says, call to me. Before he says that, in verse 2, he reminded them of his history of doing what he said he would do. And you can look back in Israel's history and in the history of the city of Jerusalem, and you see God has done what he said he would do. Has there ever been a time in Jerusalem's history where God supernaturally delivered that city from their enemy? Absolutely there has been. When the Assyrians came and invaded the land, invaded Judah, and they surrounded Jerusalem, and God sent an angel into the midst of the camp of the Assyrian army, and in one night, that angel wiped out the entire Assyrian army, 185,000 troops. God did inaccessible things for the people of Jerusalem in their past. He's delivered them in the past. He's got this record, this track record with them. He's done it before. He can do it again. If the people would just call on him, if they would just ask for help, if they would just pray. But you probably know the story. They didn't. Even though he has this perfect record, even though he's done it before with the Assyrian army, same situation, same circumstances. 
God delivered them in the past. He delivered that city in the past. But this time they don't call on him. Instead, look at verse 4. What do they do? For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the houses of this city, Jerusalem, and the houses of the kings of Judah, which have been pulled down to fortify against the siege mounds and the sword. What did the people of, of Jerusalem do? Instead of calling on God, they started tearing down their houses and dismantling their houses and using the stones from their houses to build up the walls of the city, to make their walls thicker and higher, to try to keep the Babylonians out. Instead of calling upon upon God, they started knocking down their houses. Pastor Dan will have more to share from today's Ring of Truth study in just a moment. But right now, we'd like to invite you to worship with us this Sunday morning. Here's Pastor Dan to tell you a little more. I heard recently that many people who listen to Christian radio are not part of a local church. Hey, if that's you, I'd like for you to join us this weekend as our guest at Calvary Chapel located in Columbia, Maryland. The teachings you've enjoyed here on Ring of Truth are from messages I've shared with the congregation at Calvary Chapel We have two meeting times on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. You can find out more and get directions at our website, calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Now let's get back to today's message on Ring of Truth. They relied upon their own ability, their own strength, their own ingenuity. And I want you to think about this. Think about what it's saying. The, The people were so panicked and so desperate that they tore down their own houses to build up the walls. They destroyed their homes. And to them, that's, better, that's a better solution than taking time to pray and ask God for help. And people still do that today. Maybe not physically, but people will, you know, they get in a situation where they panic and they hit the panic button and, and they do something drastic and dramatic that ends up tearing down their home, tearing down their family. And in the end, ultimately, it doesn't work. It doesn't save them. It doesn't produce what they wanted it to produce. They don't get the results they thought they would. And they think, well, that, this is what I've got to do. This is our only hope. This is our only, you know. When they could seek God, they could ask God for help. They could ask God to deliver them. They could call upon the name of the Lord. They could ask the Lord to direct their steps and give them wisdom, but they don't do that. And sometimes people are like, what do you mean pray? This is an emergency. (laughs) We need to do something. I don't have time to pray. I've got to take action. I've got to start tearing down this house so we can build up the wall. You know, years before this, when the, uh, the Assyrians threatened to attack Jerusalem, the people of Jerusalem did the very same thing that they're doing here now with the Babylonians about to attack. They, they, they tore down their houses to use the stones from their houses to fortify the walls of the city. In fact, you go to Jerusalem today, uh, there's a section of the wall that they built in the days of Hezekiah. It's called Hezekiah's Wall. It's still there. Uh, it runs right through the middle of the city, of the old city. Uh, a portion of this wall where they tore down houses to try to fortify the wall because the Assyrians were going to attack. And the Lord spoke through the prophet Isaiah and rebuked them for doing it. And basically said to the people, what are you doing? What are you doing? In fact, I'll read it to you. Isaiah chapter 22. You don't have to turn there. 
And it's interesting, Isaiah 22, it says that the people went up on their housetops, the people in Jerusalem, because the Assyrians were invading from the north and they could go up on their housetops in the city and they could look to the north and they could see the cities to the north of Jerusalem were burning, that the Assyrians were destroying every city they came to. And so they began to tear down their houses to try to build up the city wall before the Assyrians get there. And so that's what they're doing. In Isaiah chapter 22, verse 10, it says, You numbered the houses of Jerusalem and the houses you broke down to fortify the wall. You also made a reservoir between the two walls for the water of the old pool. There's the pool there of Siloam. The the water source for the city was actually outside the city wall. So they built a tunnel, Hezekiah's tunnel, to bring the water into the city. So they had a water source inside the city. They tore down houses to build up the wall. And then the Lord says to them, but you did not look to your maker. Nor did you have respect for him who fashioned it long ago. You're doing all these things. You're building a tunnel and bringing water into the city. You're tearing down your houses. But you never bothered to look to your maker. You never bothered to pray and ask God for help. You're just running on your own ideas here. But you're not asking God for help. Now, we, we go ahead and here we are now. It's the Babylonians are outside the city. Same circumstances. And again, they start tearing down their houses to build up the walls instead of calling on God. Even though God promises here he will do great and mighty things if they would just call on him. But they don't call on him. Look at verse 5. They come to fight with the Chaldeans, that's the Babylonians, but only to fill their places with the dead bodies of men whom I will slay in my anger and my fury, all for whose wickedness I have hidden my face from this city. Their plan is not going to work. The city will be filled with dead bodies. They're going to lose to the Babylonians. Now look at verse 6. Look at the promise in verse 6. Behold, I will bring it, the city of Jerusalem, health and healing. I will heal them and reveal to them the abundance of peace and truth. God will bring health and he will bring healing to Jerusalem. Now, you look at the situation and on a human level, a horizontal level, What they need is a way to defeat the Babylonians. And what God says is what they need is to be healed. They need to be made healthy. They're sick spiritually. The reason that the Babylonians are coming to attack that city and destroy that city is not because of any political reason. It's a spiritual reason. The, The people, the city is sick. It's sick spiritually. They need to be made healthy spiritually. They need spiritual healing. Uh, In in fact, this word here, when it talks about uh, health and healing, the word healing, it's it's literally the idea of of, uh, receiving new skin. It's, It's describing them as having leprosy. You're full of leprosy. You need new skin. You remember back in Isaiah, when we studied through Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 1 there, the Lord also described them as being full of leprosy. He said, from the, from the sole of your feet to the top of your head, you're just completely filled 
with leprosy, with just corruption. You know, you're, you're wholly given over. And then, you know, the final stages of it. And here he's, he's describing the same thing. They need to, they need to be made well. They need to be, they need health. They need healing of their sin. Just like we need it, right? Our, our issue was sin. You know, we, and we could have pointed to a bunch of things on the horizontal that were symptoms, but the core problem in our lives was sin. We needed to be healed of our sin problem. We needed new skin. We needed new life. That's what Jesus Christ provided for us. God will bring healing. He'll bring health to Jerusalem. He says they will enjoy abundant peace. I will heal them and reveal to them the abundance of peace and truth. You just call on me. I'll do things that are inaccessible to you. Things that you can't do for yourself. I'll I'll bring health. I'll bring healing. I'll bring an abundance of peace. I'll bring security to you. Again, the same is true for us spiritually. God brings healing and health and peace. Peace with God. The peace of God. He brings security into our lives. Now, ultimately, he's, he's, when he's talking to Jerusalem here, he's, he's talking about the kingdom age when Christ returns to the earth and rules as king of kings from Jerusalem. At that time, they'll have health, they'll have healing, they'll have an abundance of peace and truth. And I will cause the captives of Judah and the captives of Israel. Notice both Judah and Israel he's speaking to here. To return. And will rebuild those places as at the first. And remember uh, the, the ten northern tribes of Israel. They were carried away as captives to Assyria about 135 years before this. They haven't existed for an, as a nation for over 130 years But he's talking about this future restoration when the entire nation of Israel becomes one again and is restored back into their land. Look at verse 8. I will cleanse them from all their iniquity. I have that word all circled in my Bible. I will cleanse them of all their iniquity by which they have sinned against me. I will pardon all their iniquities by which they have sinned and by which they have transgressed against me. Notice it talks about sin and it talks about transgression. Sin is missing the mark. I'm trying to do what's right, but I come up short. Transgression is when, uh, when you know, I, I mark a line in the sand and I say, don't come across this line. And you say, oh yeah, watch this. And I'm going to walk right across. I don't care what you say. That's transgression. I know it's wrong and I'm doing it anyway. And what does God say here? He's going to forgive all their iniquity, the sin and the transgressions, both, all of it. He's going to cleanse us. This is is part of the new covenant in Jesus Christ that we saw back in chapter 31, where God forgives all our sins. All our sins are removed by the blood of Jesus Christ. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring truth. 
When you look at the book of Jeremiah at a glance, it seems like the overarching theme is judgment and negative consequence. But as you take a closer look, you're given a microscopic lens into the heart of God. Yes, there was judgment and eventual exile, but think about how long-suffering and patient God was in giving them multiple chances to repent from their ways and separate from their sin. What an amazing and hopeful picture of God's heart toward you. He is just and fair in handing out consequences to those who willfully go against what he's offering. But like a patient parent, he gives grace and mercy when you vacillate between following him and venturing elsewhere. Ultimately, God wants you to choose him wholeheartedly, and he wants to bless you. Take the book of Jeremiah as a continual reminder that God is gracious and merciful, but he'll bring judgment on those who refuse his ways. If you want to talk to someone and better understand what all of this means, don't hesitate to call us at 410-491-4592. That's 410-491-4592. We're so glad you joined us today on Ring of Truth. Feel free to study this book on your own in the meantime. In our next edition, Pastor Dan will share more from the book of Jeremiah and provide a deeper understanding of how to apply it to your life here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that craft and what I know because I know his voice and it only takes Rings true.